All right, it says we're live, so let me live and the crowdcast is starting. All right, I see us in group one. I see us in group two. And I see us in group three. We are live and there is uh, no hiccups, so we are good. Welcome, everyone. I am with Scott, uh, and I'm going to butcher your last name. Is it Disgrosslyers? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd have a long and happy life if I get upset because people couldn't pronounce that thing. <laughs> I'm it's sure actually you've never heard it. It's uh, very French. It means maker of the king's gooseberry wine. Oh, really? Which, which apparently tastes like crap because I don't have a vineyard to inherit. So, <laughs> me neither. Someday I'll buy one, maybe. Yeah. Someday. Got a sling data for eleven, but it's fun and I like it. So, all's well. We will wait for a couple people to get in here um, and get started. So if you're just joining us, I'll kind of give you a kind of an update on AdLeaks, uh, kind of our groups on where we're at. Um, still have Gold and Platinum. Obviously, we just launched the uh, Espanol group, uh, rolling that out with Tim Bird and Vito. And that is going very, very well. There's no application process for that. So if you are Spanish speaking, um, that's the group for you. Uh, the gold and platinum still do have the application process and we are backed up. So if you have applied and are still waiting, um, just kind of sit tight and we're going through them as they come in through, through order. So uh, today is kind of more about, um, I started using Scott's uh, platform, Wicked Reports, probably about a month, month and a half ago. Um, really, really loving it. Uh, it is, in my opinion, and I think in most marketers' opinions, probably one of the biggest hurdles in digital marketing is attribution. Um, and I know you are like an expert that Google flies you in and you do conferences and stuff speaking for Google, if I'm not mistaken, some other big, big brands in related to marketing and attribution. So um, I don't really want this to be specifically a sale, like sales call because obviously um, – our, our members do get a discount, but more about attribution, the platform, how it can help solve the issues and other things like that. So uh, let's kind of jump in. Why don't you tell us kind of like how you got started in the marketing space and kind of what led you to starting this whole platform, I guess. Sure. I was running all the databases. Uh, I was a sole DBA at apartments.com right when they were getting big and buying companies and preparing to go live with their Super Bowl ads. Same time, I was looking to move back to New England because I had a couple little kids, and downtown Chicago is awesome, but not with a couple kids. So I was Moonlight CRM Consulting, and a friend of mine ran, runs GetMainLobster.com, and he says, hey, I'm running ads. Uh, it turns out Facebook sucks for lobster ads. And I said, okay, <laughs> why is that? <laughs> he said, well, I spent four grand on ads, and I got a ton of clicks, but only one person bought. I lost, you know, I, I only made back 200 bucks. I lost 3,800 bucks. I have no more money for the month. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe they're going to buy later on. Um, you're going to follow up with them, retarget. You know, this was like 2014. And he was like, well, how am I going to know if it works? And there's a little better tools now, but at the time there wasn't really much. Mm -hmm. So combining that with the idea that we wanted to test out, me and him, the idea that people that didn't live in New England, that like the Patriots or Red Sox might buy lobster more often, maybe they were homesick. Like that was a targeting we wanted to try. And so we ran the ads and we found that after three months, he was up 10 to one on his ads from the leads that he got from those ads. 
And but when he was spending during the the time, the the two weeks he was buying leads, he was slightly less than break even. So it wasn't that his ads necessarily got better. It's just that you know if you follow up with leads, retarget, do all the things that we do. Um, if you target the right people, you can make a lot of money. So sure. I was really psyched with that idea, and I sold it as a pivot table that to some Infusionsoft high-level people. I happen to know a guy there, and I had this personal Gmail call to action: Hey, if you want one of these pivot tables, you can pay me money. And I probably sold like thirty grand in pivot tables. So I was like, wow. man, this could be a good business. Yeah, you know, it was like very rudimentary compared to what we have now. But then maintaining it was a nightmare. So I, I had to build Wicked just to support my little consulting business, which turned into a much bigger business than that ever could have been. So that's kind of mm -hmm. how I got the ball rolling. So how many developers do you, like, you're not a developer, you hired someone to help you build it, or are you an actual, you built it? I was originally a Microsoft certified guy. Uh, so I wrote the original SQL that pulled from Facebook, Google, Infusionsoft, and Clicks uh, back in mm -hmm. you know, 2014 when I first wrote it. Um, none of my code's in there anymore, sadly. I have much better developers, I guess. Uh, so we, <laughs> we have a full-time team now. There's 15 of us at Wicked Reports, of which six are developers. Oh, wow. Okay. So pretty – I mean, you guys mm -hmm. still have a lot of things that are in development and kind of are getting ready to roll out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we announced tomorrow uh, our partnership with Google where we're taking the attribution data and automatically uploading it into Google as conversions – top, middle, and bottom so that their machine learning can auto-bid for you if you're using smart campaigns. That took like eight oh, months to build. So that's kind of freed up our roadmap now that that's out. We've huh. got um, linear attribution coming out next month. We've got phone number match on attribution. We've got uh, outbound APIs, probably Q1. Sure. A couple more things too. But Yeah, let's, let's kind of, let's kind of yeah. uh, dive in on that. I have one question. So on the Google thing that you're talking about, does that do anything with offline purchases? Are you guys going to have anything like that? Because I know that's kind of Facebook has their whole offline data set, but that's kind of lacking on the Google end. Does anything like that come? So it's using Google offline conversion API, but Google took a better approach because we use both of them. And I've talked to the product managers of both of them. And so mm -hmm. what's better about Google's is that online bidding can be optimized based on all conversion types that are uploaded. Whereas Facebook, you'd have to pick store visits currently. We've been hammering them to change that, but they won't yet. Um, maybe they will someday. So with Google's, we're using the offline conversion import and we upload the, G, the Google Click IDs called GCLIDs after we've attributed them between a new lead created, an existing lead re-opted in, or a last click, spread mm -hmm. the revenue among the three or give it all to one point. And so then, even though Google will look at all other touch points to manage your bidding with smart campaigns, if you have like a killer search word that's getting great leads that buy within 90 days, it sees that happen enough, it's going to start buying more of those clicks, even if you don't adjust the bids yourself, if you chose the right settings and options, which mm -hmm. we cover. Are you guys so testing, it's it? testing it all mm -hmm. in like real time? Are you testing it in any ad accounts in like a real-time environment to see the difference? Yeah. So we first started, we first had this ready in, in April and, you know, I'm glad you asked that. So we thought it was like, you know, Google said this is going to solve everyone's problems. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And it can really, and some of our people like destroyed it. One guy did 2000% ROI, but some people who are really good marketers didn't do that well. And it was, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know about machine learning. And so if you have a, a really hyper segmented campaigns with maybe like $20 ad spend and you have a bunch of them, 
Mm -hmm. uh, machine learning doesn't like that. Um, they want more budget and they want, they say one conversion every two days. We really found you need at least three conversions a day per campaign for it to work. Uh, the other thing is you want your camp, it works best for conversion goals when it's the conversion goal is really a new lead or an existing lead opt-in or it's a bottom of the funnel sale. If it's a micro conversion in between this, our particular uh, implementation of this isn't going to be perfect, isn't going to be right for you. Right. Uh, but it really was around enough budget. And then you've got to let the machine learn, which can be frustrating. Sometimes it learns fast. Sometimes it can take a week. And if you touch it because the performance isn't there, you can reset the whole learning again and get in this loop of the, the machine hasn't learned because it may learn and decide your ads aren't any good. Right. Or it may learn and then all of a sudden the performance can take off. And that's one frustrating black box aspect that you've got to be able to hang in there and let it learn and see if it's going to work or not. And that's not for everyone. You know, I mean, right. you have a little bit of patience. So that's what well, we learned. So we started in April. We iterated a couple times. Now we're comfortable with how when it can work and when just to use it as information on your own strategies. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's kind of jump in for people that don't understand what Wicked Reports is. Why don't you give a little bit of background on exactly what it is, what it's used for, and then we'll kind of get into some questions and like the features and kind of how it helps solve some of the basic attribution issues, I guess. So, sure. Sure. So, I mean, our, our basic thing is we are first party data marketing attribution for small businesses. Small being people spending at least $5,000 a month is when it becomes helpful and 10 grand plus is when it becomes really helpful because the more conversions that we have, the more we can help you. And our idea initially was just take the pain out of having a spreadsheet that can calculate ROI for you so that you know what's really working or not. And so that involves a couple things where we're different than Facebook or Google's tracking. One is we're multi-channel, so we're looking across Snapchat, Facebook, Google, Bing, email, and organic to determine what deserves credit when someone buys. The other big thing that might differentiate us from other things you might look at is we're first party data conversions. We're wired into your CRMs and uh, sales systems. So we create the conversions automatically so that they're verifiable and they're real and they're going to match what your CRM and cart say. And so that'll greatly differ from what a pixel based conversion tracker might be doing. And there's certainly mm -hmm. cases where pixels are still helpful to feed machine learning or for micro conversions. But for us, we give you if we you know if we track 100 touch points for a hundred dollar sale and we give you a dollar for each touch point that's not going to be that actionable it may be logically right. makes sense but it's not so we're always trying to map attribution to specific strategies that if you spend when there's more roi and don't spend when you're not getting any it's going to make a difference that you can prove and and that you understand and that makes a difference in your business and, and how you understand how it works hmm Okay, so how 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 exactly are big marketers like? What are they using of it that really really makes a difference? Because obviously Facebook is last click, Google is you know they have their different attribution models. So when you start bringing all of these sales from Clavio and all of this into one place, how do you guys essentially dive into it and make it more understandable for marketers to be able to look at it and be able to make data decision, you know? Sure. Matt. So the, the best example, the best thing we do is cold traffic, new lead generation to sales. So mm -hmm. everyone's trying to find new leads. I mean, I'm harping at my marketing lady who's in here. I'm always like, I want new leads, even though like you really want good leads that actually buy 
or that are at least have a better chance of buying than others. And so the way we do that is when, when people are clicking on your ads, if they do join opt-in for whatever reason, however they do it, we compare and make sure that the clicks before they were created in your CRM, uh, they happened before that because that means they were still cold traffic. Mm -hmm. Because you want to know down the road when someone's bought a few times as a repeat buyer or a recurring subscription sale, where did I find these people? Well, you found them a while ago. They didn't probably click on an ad direct response and immediately sign up for a hundred dollars a month subscription. They had to like you, get there. Right. When you say CRM, so it connects it connects to your CRM just so people understand. Like so if I'm in e-commerce, my CRM to you would be Shopify, Clavio, all of that stuff, correct? It it, it integrates with all of those platforms. Correct. Clavio, MailChimp, HubSpot, uh, Shopify, WooCommerce, Stripe. Uh, Active campaigns, a pretty, pretty, very popular one. Entreport. Um, we got, we had about two, two dozen. Plus, we have Zapier, CSV import, uh, and we have uh, our own API that probably 70, 80 people use the our own API. Okay. So, how we map that is that people are looking. For, I mean, we, you don't want to be in there, some attribution wizard clicking around with a bunch of filters and parameters if you can help it until you get way into the data. You just want to know, hey, where can I find more new leads that buy? And so what we do is make sure that the traffic that we're assessing with that model was really cold traffic that became a new lead. And we only give credit to the right spot. Like when we looked at with you, just remember with Snapchat that was bringing in the cold traffic on that one yep. particular campaign. Yep. Where there's then maybe Facebook retarded them and then Clavio closed them down the way. And mm -hmm. so we mapped the strategies to the specific marketing uh, attribution models, meaning new lead gen, let's use an attribution model that supports new leads. Um, existing lead retargeting to a coupon or opt-in. Let's make sure they were really on your list, an existing lead. We do that behind the scenes. You don't have to go in and configure stuff. Yep. And then last click sales, where we're a little different is when subscription recurring orders happen or if they happen by a phone call, wire, whatever. If they make it into your sales system, we're going to be able to show you back against new lead gen where that up the ROI and revenue of the top middle funnel of the things that led to this recurring payment down the road because subscription yep. payments are incredible for businesses but you, you need to attribute them right because they i mean that really is upping the value of that lead lead magnet if you've found 20 subscription customers it's probably you know each month the roi is going up so you want to be able right. to prove that yeah that makes sense give me one second scott i'm going to try and switch my i'm having some technical difficulties one minute try it Everybody still hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay. Yeah, my video isn't working. I'm I'm trying to still learn this new dang software, and it's uh. <laughs> so you just left. You were there, and now you're. Am I still? Can you hear me still? I can. I can hear you. I cannot see you. Okay. Well, let's just kind of continue. I oh, there, my go. My video is off. You're back now. It makes a difference. Okay, I had to switch from Wi-Fi to uh, hardwired. I don't know. My Wi-Fi was giving some problems, so. Okay, so so when somebody comes into your CRM, and let's say I'm running some like in my in my scenario, I'll kind of start with this, like with the Snapchat scenario we were talking about. We started testing Snapchat for that client a little bit. Pixel is set up, everything is tracking correctly. We tested it with the Snapchat Pixel helper. Um, but it's not actually reporting revenue in Snapchat. 
and it's within the 28 day, you know, click view window. What is the thought process behind that and, and why? Well, I guess your system, uh, your system makes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why Snapchat isn't reporting your revenue is um, not something I would know why it's not working. Um, well, your system picks it up and it's sort of get started. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. things go wrong in the internet. Um, we start with the sale and look back. And whereas Facebook and probably Snapchat and Google take a clicker of view and look forward for a report from their pixel that is supposed to have dollar value sent to them, which of course the dollar values fluctuate a lot. Coupons, discounts, deadline deals, you know, mm -hmm. same skew five times, a different price test. We don't have those issues because we start from like, let's just take Shopify. We start from the sale and the sale date and time and look back for approvable events that have happened. Yep. And, that's, that, and that happens both for the sale, but also for the higher level CRM conversions, new lead or a re-opt-in on a magnet or what have you, where we look back from that validated event against what we've collected as clicks or any other ways people send us data for things in their marketing. You know, mm -hmm. we can do podcasts and direct mail, a few other things. So we start from a real conversion that with real dollar value. And that, that makes us unique and also makes us a little more strict, um, yep. which people will want to, they have to be, we're never going to overcount your revenue because we started with your revenue. So that yep. kind of helps. And I, I know like when we were looking at it, um, and I'm going to pull up some screenshots here and send them over. Uh, when we were looking at it, just in that scenario is we did like a couple thousand dollar test just to kind of see, you know, if Snapchat would work for this, this client. And of course, if we were looking at it from Snapchat's point of view, we actually lost our ass, but your wicked reports actually, you know, tracked, I think it was like $10,000 difference in revenue that Snapchat didn't even track. And it's actually one of our most profitable, profitable avenues. So, when you're integrating that with, um, and I'm gonna I'll pull up some screenshots here in a second. When you're actually doing that, the nice thing that I found about with Wicked is you can actually look at, and I'm sure other attribution platforms can do this, but you can actually look at each order um, and follow it all the way through out, like every single touch point to every single campaign. So, yeah, we felt like to be transparent because it's your first party data. We don't do, you know, snooping on other websites. Um, I had breakfast with Google Friday, their data partnership guy, and he said, you guys have done a good job future proofing your attribution because there are, you know, it would be cool to show other points or someone spent a lot of time loitering on your competitor's website before they came over. We've mm -hmm. uh, had chances to do that, but that type of stuff's going away. But what we're able to transparently show you is, everything that we've tracked that they, it's, they've already been in your list and, and clicking in or that's been, you know, an inbound interest. And so for us, it also helps for customer support because we differ so uh, widely, uh, not always, but sometimes this case very widely from Snapchat in a good way. We want to be able to back up our numbers because they generally won't be able to. And that, I mean, sometimes they probably know more than we do. I mean, it's Facebook or Google, but in some cases we know more in this case like Snapchat, but we'll always transparently show you why our numbers are what they are. Cause I would never want to misinform someone, Hey, stop spending here and then hide the reason why I told them that that didn't make sense to me. So I felt like mm -hmm. be transparent and um, hopefully, uh, you know, help you understand your marketing more then you can scale easier. Right. So talk to us a little bit. I'm going to download this plugin so I can share my screen. Talk to us a little bit about 
your different attribution models and I guess how they really, really differ. Obviously, you guys have more attribution models, but talk to us how it differs from the other platforms. Sure, we have five and we have two more coming out. So our, how it first even got going was uh, like with the lobster guy and a, and a bunch of people quickly, word spread that everyone's having trouble figuring out if their new leads ever bought. And so the idea behind what we call new lead ROI or first opt-in attribution is what made someone first opt-in and then let's figure out if they ever bought anything anywhere and map it back to that point. Right. So for that model, what I chose to do is I have 100% revenue credit to what created the new lead. And so it's true that there's probably other touch points that contributed and we have other models that look at the other touch points. But when you're trying to figure out if your if your lead gen worked or not, it's already confusing. And so if I can have all your sales uh, reconciled, like so if you did $100 in sales, if I have all $100 there and where the new leads came from, and if there's a case where we don't know anything, which sometimes happens, or it was organic, we'll, we'll show that. We'll show that so that you know we've reconciled every dollar against that particular point in time you're trying to learn about. And that mm -hmm. made it a lot easier rather than having fuzzy math of 0.21%. I mean, I'm a statistician. I like all that stuff, but it wasn't helping people understand. And when you got off too fancy with the numbers, they weren't really growing the business. You know, I had all kinds of crazy models back in the day. But this yeah. one's really clear and obvious. And it's not that it deserves all the credit for sure. But when you're just looking at new lead gen, yeah, then all you want to know is all the sales against what I did to get new leads. So that's a that's our most popular one. I have patents behind that one. And you know, so even if you have more subscription payments in the future, we can map them back to the new lead gen that got that subscription payment. Um, right. Another one that we have is um, uh, re-opt-in, re-engage lead, which is unique to us. I've not seen anyone else do this. And so that idea is you have this huge email list or maybe, you know, small email list, whatever. But, you know, they come in, they run through your lead magnet funnel, they don't buy, then they're just twisting in the wind. You know, you're retargeting, you're emailing, you're begging them, whatever, try to get them to buy. Mm -hmm. Well, Sometimes it works and they end up buying and that's usually covered by last click. But what I was curious about was what re-engaged them and got them back on the way. And so we use re-engaged uh, opt-in, which is someone submitted an email address, but they were already on my list to begin with. And then if they make an order after that point, we give re-engaged lead credit to that. Example okay. for Wicked Reports, you might be on my list for a while, maybe even saw a demo. But did you have to actually go talk to sales before you bought? Well, that would be maybe the last re-engage. We'd be like, oh, we need more talk to sales. Or right. we ran a lead magnet. Hey, download our bench. We have a benchmark report. We've tracked about $4 billion in revenue. We've tracked a, you know, a little over a billion in sales, and we have benchmarks from that. Well, mm -hmm. if you've done that and downloaded it and then you bought, well, that's good for us to know, hey, we want to make sure we're showing that in the middle of the funnel. So that's Got another it. one. We Got do it. first okay. click, which is just the very first click we tracked. That's really helpful for what first made them become aware. It was originally designed. With... You all set? Yeah. I can still. I just yeah, don't see you. I, start... I can see you. Yeah, I'm trying to first attributions, and we can. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. You keep messing with that. I'll double bar attribution for another minute. <laughs> So with first click, it was um, what first, the idea is show them content 
mm -hmm. to cold traffic. They click on it, then immediately retarget them for opt-in, and then first click would show that cold traffic content that got them interested in your brand originally. Right. And then we do last click, which is you know most common, which is what made the sale. That's still valuable for what finally closed someone as long as you're doing multi-channel. Right. If you're looking at Facebook last click or just Google last click, well, they're all going to take credit for the other one's clicks. And it's generally likely they're going to add up to more sales than you had in the day. And that, right. We're not going to have that problem because we're looking across all the channels and starting with the sales to begin with so we can't overcount them. Sure. So if a marketer is one of the questions that I get all the time, and it's actually in one of our questions that some of the members have is if they're running, let's say they're spending a half a million dollars monthly and they have everything in wicked reports and they're really, really interested in 30 days because they want to scale their first touch point um, harder to bring people into those funnel knowing that they're going to convert later. Would they want to use first click in your system? Obviously because first click in yours or first click in your system is going to look at Clavio, Facebook, Google, Snapchat, or how would they be able to decipher in your system on what first put touch point is actually driving the most revenue so they know where to put more ad dollars in to build their funnel? So first click will work if it's the first touch. Um, we also have two models, full impact and upcoming called linear, which will say, hey, if you're not sure what touch point yet, because you're just, you know, you're using a campaign and just spray and pray everywhere, which sometimes can work then mm -hmm. we'll just look across all those touch points and say, hey, is it working somewhere within that 30-day period? But we have two different cohort analysis reports. You can pick different parameters to see exactly how much cash came in from a given campaign, ad set, um, search keyword, whatever, uh, off different um, points in time to see mm -hmm. if there's revenue or you can look at it as a, a value per lead amount. So you can see what you can spend because you'll know what you're getting back within that 30 day period. I actually like to have people, when we first load it in, we have predictive behaviors and we can see how fast your leads actually take to buy because that's really the cycle. I mean, you may want it to be 30 days, but our average is 44 days. That's across you know a lot of users, but 44 yeah. days is the average. So 30 days is a, a realistic one though because no one likes spending negative for 30 days. That's usually their right. limit. Right. I have a couple things I could share that show that sometimes it's okay to spend negative. You can get big bucks down the road if you've got good marketing. Like now for e-commerce people, you've got the holiday season coming up, Black Friday, all that stuff. A lot of money's made now. And even better is if you have tracking in place, you're going to know what lead magnets when people are buying like crazy, hopefully between Black Friday and you know post-Christmas right. sales, where did they come from? So you can target them again. Uh, so that you can go to that well again next season or, you know, just in general to find more good right. leads. So I'm going to jump into some of the questions that we have here so we can kind of get into some of them. I think we kind of answered this, but maybe you can touch on it. So basically brands are using omni-channel. What is the best way of building an attribution model that is heavily based around Facebook traffic as their primary source with your platform? So you don't need to build models with those. They're all done for you. We actually don't allow you to build them. The only thing we allow you to do is change the time windows for each um, point. And there's a few unique settings to each uh, model that probably 70% of our users will never know about. And 30% will be very keen on tweaking them for their specific things. As part of our onboard process, we assess what's going on and offer suggestions on the settings. 
Um, so it's it's somewhat self-serve, but we have a managed service up front and we do have managed service going forward if people do need help, which not a lot of people do, but some do. Mm -hmm. um, but for them with Facebook, it's really keen that you want to analyze with our system or if not, hopefully with whatever you're doing, the intent of your marketing with what model you're using. Otherwise, you're going to misinform yourself because if the intent of the campaign was targeting your existing list, you got to use the right model that's going to gauge the effectiveness of that. Top, mm -hmm. middle, bottom of the funnel should have different attribution models, shouldn't be using the same one, or you're, you're leaving money on the table or you're spending money where you shouldn't because the models are only as smart as what they're programmed to do and they should be measuring specific points. If they're trying to measure like 300 touch points, that's why we exist. Those, those things don't really work that well. Right. So based on what you just said, you said top of funnel, middle of funnel, and bottom of funnel should use different attribution models. Elaborate on that. So in our system uh, for Facebook, I do top of the funnel and I would upload, I'd have my existing list. I have synced through, uh, we do it through plus this. We love that tool. You can do it however you want. And um, top of the funnel, I would um, exclude my existing email list because mm -hmm. then it's really top of the funnel traffic. Right. And then our attribution model called new lead ROI will look to see out of that excluded list, out of only true cold traffic, what is making them a lead. And then if they mm -hmm. ever show up with a sale down the road, we can match it back automatically with that model and prove your ROI. That's much better than having it be, you know, anyone that likes a particular thing, interest, and not dealing with your um, email list exclusion or inclusion or customer list inclusion exclusion because it's not really cold traffic if they're already on your list. And it's right. not cold traffic if they've already bought from you. Everyone knows that, but I mean, if you don't, measure it and keep the audiences in sync, then you've got a whole jumbled mess and it can lead you the wrong way. So for mm -hmm. starters, I do that. Then if I was targeting, you know, my mid funnel magic, meaning they're already on the list and I haven't converted them for whatever reason, I would use our reopt-in model and in there, granted um, Facebook use help and clicks are important too, but somewhere in there, if you have a, a, a model where you either need a booked call or download this white paper or watch this demo or download this coupon because you haven't bought in a month, three weeks, whatever it is. That's our re-opt in to say, hey, they're already on my list. What made them re-opt in to get closer to making a purchase? And so we'll track that point automatically because we're wired into Klaviyo or what have you. And then mm -hmm. if they show up in Shopify, Woo, or somewhere down the road, we'll give revenue to that point. And then you can adjust your budget in Facebook based on the mid-funnel because you know it's mid-funnel because you're including your list. And then bottom of the funnel can mean different things for different people. Um, it could just mean because of your flow of uh, ad sets, you know they're at the bottom. could be because the automation in your CRM tells you that, or it could be, hey, I've already shown them everything else. Now it's just time to say bye, 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 bye. <laughs> so whatever right. the case, that's when last click will always work as, a, as an attribution model. It's right at the bottom. Now, if you're Facebook only, that's great. You can do that that way. If you got other channels in there, because if you're also using Klaviyo, Klaviyo works really well. And if it's if it's actually getting the sales instead of Facebook or vice versa, it would be helpful to know that. Um, you're not going to know that within Facebook, but that's something that we specialize in is figuring out who actually deserves the credit there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that makes definite sense. So with how complicated your system is with like uneducated brand owners, and marketers who are like newer to attribution but understand it to not obviously your level 
how do you really explain to them and tell them what the, the best approach is? Do you visit with them like when somebody comes on and you onboard them based on their goals, on their spend? Like how do you shift them to actually kind of what to look for and how to use your system specifically to meet their needs if they don't know? Sure. And I would say if you're not spending at least $100 a day and you're not getting at least 100 sales a month, we might be too much at first because without attribution, you can usually get there just because you've got a killer offer or, you know, general algorithms. Mm -hmm. Facebook in general should be or Google should be able to help you. But it's once you're doing the multi-channel because you're up to where you're spending at least $100 a day minimum, that's when we can start to really help. Now, when those people come in and they're like, hey, I've got a great service. I'm selling a couple hundred of these a month and I'm, I want to scale and it's a mess. That's when we, yep. we can help in a couple of ways. One is we require onboarding. It's not a lot of money, but we require a call with someone to make sure you're set up correctly. Or if you're not or you have questions, you don't even want to look at it until um, we take we can help you get set up. We have higher level onboarding for people that want data analysis included and uh, and or understanding the attribution models because there's nothing like seeing your own data and seeing oh look i should put my this campaign's crushing at top of the funnel and then in the bottom of the funnel it stinks i'm going to make this decision and then you'll just have more roi that's always a good feeling and in our case if we can help you understand and act on the data people never leave they never leave if they understand right. and act on the data and if they don't they're always at risk of leaving because why are you going to pay money for data that you're not using so we have a couple of things in place. We have the, the human touch aspect, and then we have automated recommendations in the tool where we data mine to give you answers that you click on and we say, here's why this is important, here's what you should do with it. And then what we have coming out uh, soon, which maybe I'll share a screenshot or two, is when you pick a model, we're gonna have a whole breakdown of how this model works, how it should be used, how to analyze the data with it, um, if why it differs from Facebook and Google, all that context sensitive things you might wonder from our support analysis is all mm -hmm. there in the report. So you can just self-serve ideally. Um, now, with our and with our Google, I would say other things with our Google. One other thing, Justice. So with our Google yeah. uh, feature, you don't actually have the guy that did the best was on vacation in Europe. It was the dream, you know. I mean, I know a lot of info marketers. I'm not going to leave with, you know, everyone's going to come make money on autopilot with this. But this guy literally, I'd email him. He had made an ungodly amount. He was like nine to one. And I was like so ecstatic. And I was like, man, I haven't heard from this guy. He should be like loving me. And he sold like ministry coaching programs, some random, who would have thought you could even make money on that on Google? Well, I was like, hey, man, you seen your ROI? He goes, no, I, I really haven't. I was, he was in Italy or something. And I was like, you might want to look. And he, had, in, with Google, if you have the right structure and the right goals that match this feature, you're going to mm -hmm. be able to, uh, it's going to bid adjust bids for you. And then you can just get in there and hopefully just see the happy results and scale budget where needed. Lighting went hmm. out there. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm pulling a screenshot here just to show, but I got to blank out some information here. So you also have um, LTV. And I've like got stuff here. L, I know like your LTV and your cohort analysis reports. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I'm gonna pull up a screenshot here of like an LTV, but um, just kind of visit a little bit about that and kind of tell us how that works. Yeah, sorry, my, my jerry-rigged main handyman lighting just all fell apart on me. <laughs> well, I'm still 
weird shadow now. Uh, sure. I mean, the foundation of what we do is lifetime value, and we're trying to match it against cost to determine should you scale, should you chill, or should you kill. It's really only three things mm -hmm. you should be doing. Um, when, when it gets to the point where your offers are working for some period of time or not, only three things we're trying to tell you how to do. So with our cohort, it was really about the different types of lifetime value you're getting from either different targeted audiences or different behaviors. We have a customer cohort analysis, and then we separately have a lead cohort analysis. And that's the backbone of how we're computing the ROI. Um, and we took it a step further with one of them where when you're looking at a cohort, you can actually see what were the top five things that created those leads or the top five things that closed them. So just a quick analysis of what's the best things that worked on this cohort? Because you see a good one, you're like, sweet, I want to get more of them. Well, we just laid out for you below what the things were that made them appear in this report. So you can right. go act on those ideally right away, either scaling the spend or using it as inspiration for your next marketing campaign if, if and that's what, what's appropriate. And what is, like for those who don't know it, I'm sure some people are gonna like, what the hell is cohort? What, what is cohort analysis? Can you like explain what that report yeah, means? Yeah, cohort means a group of, sure. Cohort is uh, a strange report, which means a group of people that have something in common. So whenever you're going in and picking an ad set in Facebook, like they like lobster, that's a cohort. They've all decided to go into Facebook and click, I like lobster, that makes them a cohort. Other cohorts can get more advanced, such as people that joined my list in the month of April and they came from Facebook campaign one, two, three. That's yep. where it gets more advanced. Um, in this case, uh, okay, that's not the cohort, that's the lifetime value. So yeah. that, that, I mean, cohort reporting in a nutshell is the people that have something in common. It's very common in SaaS to do it by when they signed up and then, hey, how did they act? But it's much more valuable for marketers where did they come from and how much lifetime value? And then how did I attract them? And right. so all our reports are trying to slice and dice. What do they have in common? Are you making money? Is there enough lifetime value? Can you scale here or not? That's like, yeah. trying, or are you wasting money and you should stop? That's another common one. So I find some of these very interesting. So here we're looking at the lifetime value report. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's a couple of different things there. And they're, they're always fascinating. So this is one individual one individual's lifetime value and the different things they've happened. They've come from a search and then they joined. And then when they were on the list, they searched again and then a Clavio email and then it closed them with another sale. And those things tend to happen over time. Sometimes they happen mm -hmm. fast, sometimes they don't. And what, so we have this individual breakdown. So you can look at your like top, top customers to see click paths in common. But then we also aggregate that up at a summary level either at you know ad set or search keyword or campaign or even overall channel to see what, what trends have emerged. So you can go back and forth between the granular and the summary based on what you feel like looking at or if you want to verify, kind of connect the dots between an individual and the bigger level aggregate mm -hmm. um, numbers and results that we're getting. And I see something in here. So like when I'm in here and I'll I'm pulling another screenshot here while we're talking. It says pre-wicked. So when you when you import all the data, you have something called pre-wicked and post-wicked. Can you kind of explain that to people, what that means and what you're doing with that? What when you suck in all of your data? Sure. Um, when I was trying to do this with the help of ad platforms and CRMs back when I first started it, 
Yeah, so we, we suck in all the data. Like we always want the data to try to reconcile against your orders and leads. Gives you mm -hmm. more trust in the data as it should because you know, hey, I really did have 100 leads and 10 sales today. And that's what Wicked Reports is showing. So in certain attribution models like new lead gen, well, if you already have 20,000 leads on your list or 50,000 leads, well, and you're looking at a report, we still want to show that you had all those leads, but we didn't attribute them. And it's a good thing because we don't know what created that new leaks. It was before us pre-Wicked Reports. So we kept them in there so you can reconcile your data one-to-one -one and also know that, hey, we're not fake attributing data, which happens in the ad platforms. We're not doing any fake attribution. We're correctly omitting these people because this model shouldn't have them in there to try to give you understanding while also reconciliation. Um, that took a while to come to that conclusion because we had, you know, we'd only show what we tracked and then people, well, what about the leads you didn't track? Mm -hmm. we showed them all in there blank and everyone thought they weren't tracked. Now we say, here's the pre-wickeds, here's what we tracked, and here's any unattributed. And then unattributed, you can send us data if you have attribution for them, like through your tagging or CRM. Or, you know, sometimes a few people don't get tracked reluctantly. <laughs> sometimes it happens. Right. And we're GDPR compliant. So if we have, you know, about 40 countries worth of customers. 40, 42 countries, I believe, was the last count. And so we got all that in place. We can anonymize people while still verifying their first-party data compliant, but store them encrypted. We can forget them, all that good stuff. Because we want it to be really future-proof because people are concerned about privacy, but at the same time, we got to give you information. So the right. GDPR worked out well for us. It was something we were able to implement and follow. Uh, okay, so with... The new Amazon beta, do you guys have anything that ties in with Amazon beta? That was a question of topic. Not yet. Um, yeah, we don't We don't yet. Uh, we get asked about that a lot. I mean, a lot of our attribution is on email and we're adding in phone number because we'll be able to track open table by the end of the year, which is a big one for us. Um, but name name match would be next the thing with name match is then you need a wizard to make sure you know it's not the same john smith um so i know amazon gives mm -hmm. name but not email or anything else right yet so until they do it it's just we could still infer a lot of stuff but our whole thing is first party data so if we can't get it we have to stay out of there for now or you know change our approach but right now not this one's working out pretty well so here's an interesting one, just looking at, I'm getting the hang of this software now. So so this one is from a, a Snapchat that converted, it came in, you know, into Snapchat. Uh, and then they were created, then they actually ordered, and then they actually came back via a cold top of funnel Facebook ad, clicked an email and converted again. So it actually is tracking, you know, like you said, it's really yeah, okay. nice. So, yeah, so Snapchat's really got the close. Mm -hmm. And then that Facebook thing was top of the funnel, but really they weren't top of the funnel. They had already bought. And well, it's a look alike. closed on the second time, but that Facebook click. Ah, okay. So that it's like Facebook would have claimed credit for the sale when really the email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so like what this tells okay, me, I like I couldn't see that it was that part was blacked out. Yeah. So what this tells me is like in our top of funnel, even though it's actual cold, you know, when we exclude purchasers for thirty days, they still were. Even though we're excluding purchasers, they were still somehow targeted 
even through our exclusion and got randomly served in as an ad in one of our lookalikes, but they still bought. Yeah, but not only that, that Facebook ad took credit and really it was the email, uh, you know, it looks like th almost three weeks later. So in mm -hmm. Facebook's tracking, that top of the funnel campaign will get credit for a sale, but really it was not top of the funnel and it really was the email. But the Snapchat yeah. was the, you know, Snapchat got the first sale and then, you know, Clavid did the second. So that happens all the time and, you know, it's, it's so it just happens all the time. So, so how do you combat that? A lot. that? How do you combat this exact yeah. issue? So like, I think this kind of goes back to my own, my first question and is like this client specifically would want to scale this channel. So in this scenario, we would look at first click on a, and I'll pull like a, I'll pull a, a homepage view here in a second. On this kind of scenario, we would want to basically mm -hmm. look at first click on a global scale, correct? Correct. Is that first okay. click on a global scale and first opt in? Sometimes there's overlap. In that case, there was overlap. It looked like the same Snapchat was the first click and created a lead and closed them. That's pretty sweet. That doesn't happen every day. And if it no, is happening more that more often, then man, that's a gem ad that you want to scale. Yeah, and we've noticed that on a lot of this stuff. We've noticed I mean, a lot. People of are always trying to get code trip. Yeah. A lot of weird things like that. So here's. Go ahead. I'm just gonna pull this up and kind of show the main dashboard for people. I just gotta make sure I don't put any information. Yeah, I can uh, share some stuff too if you want. Here we go. So this is kind of your main, I think your mission control, which is kind of like basically your main dashboard. Kind of walk us through this and kind of um, mm -hmm. explain to us kind of how this works. Sure. So our idea, first of all, is to show you how how many orders we're tracking. So we have attribution health because our internal customer success metric is how fast can we get you to healthy attribution? So we put it right out there, you know, because we want you to know, hey, what we've tracked and not tracked. The other one is per channel, you want to be able to see just in a, at a high level, hey, am I making money or not? And if so, where? You don't necessarily want to dive down on the specifics, but you want to at least kind of know, hey, how are things going? And so in here you can see, well, AdWords is killing it, 254% already. That's that's pretty awesome. And I know you guys only been here around a month, so that was already like pretty great to, to be closing people that fast. Facebook is lots of time lead gen that closes over time. So the ROI tends to tick up as they, have a, they close with Clavio or they close down the road. Um, it's not always the case. It's just, I'm speaking more in generalities. There's always exceptions to everything. But um, whereas Facebook, your ROI might tick up more over time, you know, or it's helping some of the other channels. Right. And then so organic's like in, doing great, but also Snapchat fires into organic. So some of that Snapchat revenue, we don't currently have a Snapchat channel on this yet. And so like to kind of ask some questions based around this, in this model right here, like I know when I go into my Facebook dashboard, and I think this is set for the entire year. But like when we look at Facebook on a 30 day view, we're like 3.65 X on about $50,000 spend. So why is this not matching to what Facebook shows? Where is the big discrepancy? Because if I showed the client this, for an example, all of us, most of us have our agencies and have client. If the client saw this, they would basically shit their pants and they'd be like, oh my God. And he's called me and he's like, I'm losing money. I'm losing money. I'm losing money. And then he looks at Facebook and he says, oh, 
oh good facebook says 3.5 you know 3.4x so where's the discrepancy <laughs> yeah how do we you know what i mean because you know he looks at this sure. and says, so well, there's uh six so we go ahead yeah so part of it is you know based on the tracking time but starting with the ads for the pets facebook's looking 28 days forward from a click and then they're also looking forwards with the view we look back from a sale multi-channel they're looking forward from a click with um single channel so mm -hmm. and they those those they may be helping and assisting but from our point of view if the clavio like that one you showed me with the clavio email closed them facebook's taking credit for that in their platform Mm -hmm. So we work great uh, in, in the cases where it's a multi-channel, trying to assess multi-channel what's working. But when yep. Facebook has a much higher ROAS than Wicked, it doesn't mean, oh, don't use Facebook. It means Facebook's doing more helper conversions, in the re and you still need that other channel down at the end, meaning the Clavio email. It's just piggyback on that one example. It might be different. But you still needed Snapchat, Facebook, and email to make the sale. But each individual channel is only worried. They're not built to say, let me help you show you where other channels have helped you. It's let me right. show you how to spend more on my channel. That's what they're mm -hmm. designed to do. And it doesn't make them bad people because it's working in your case. Because when you're showing that ROAS, it's, it may not be as high, but it's certainly those emails may not have closed if the Facebook click in between didn't happen. But yep. if we start looking at every touch point as an attribution platform that way, you're slowly going to be like, too much to analyze, not enough to act on, and um, it's not, you know, it's just not going to work for you. So mm -hmm. that's why we have the discrepancies. The other thing is in, in the positive for Facebook, which may or may not be relevant to this customer, but over time, we have a lot of examples where we show more ROI than Facebook because we're going to show each month all the new leads from many moons ago. Like there's an agency, if you do lead gen, it's been two months. All, if, if all those leads close on month three, we're going to show that revenue for you, even if you're not even running those campaigns, whereas Facebook would not show them there. They may show them somewhere else due to your retargeting, or they may not see the sales or show them at all. So that's where we're going to not overcount, but we're going to show higher performance than Facebook would. Um, okay. So that's another thing. So the, the three big things are we're relying on first party conversions looking back. They're doing clicks going forward. So the windows and the conversion mechanism is different. You yep. might have sent conversion values for different conversion touch points. And then it was the Clavio email that closed them for 50 bucks. And the Facebook pixel that fired was for 100 bucks. And it was 22 days post click, which looked like it happened there. And that's common. But you need the pixel because that's going to fuel Facebook machine learning. So you need that. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've almost seen people. Sorry, I got just about here. <laughs> trying to figure it out you know here's like another here's another screen i screen grabbed i grabbed and this is more on like the campaign from a holistic view so explain kind of what reoptins is so we have new leads which is new people coming in and buying correct so obviously we have six you cut out there but i can walk you through this anyway so can you hear me Yeah, so on the top, yeah, you cut out there. Maybe I did. I don't know if it's my left. Can you hear I me? I can now. You cut out a lot okay. there, Justin, on that okay. one. You were fine until then, though. Okay. So what I was saying is, like, on this one, you can see it says 64 leads, 84 sales, you. zero. You can't hear me? I can now. I couldn't. 
It says 64 sales or so 64 I, new leads, 84 sales, and zero re-opt-ins. So can you explain what these columns are here and how they're used? I heard 64 leads and 84 sales. Yep. And then it says. Sure. Okay, so the, the, the column that's blacked out is the campaign name. And that's right. Sorry, I'm not really hearing you. Can I'll you go through these columns though. I think I heard that part. So, so what I, from, what I was from Facebook, Google, and Clavio, for example, we're gonna automatically pull the campaign name and uh, the source. Okay. And then what, what is the difference between leads, opt-in, and sales? Yeah, I can't hear. You can't hear me? Okay, I didn't hear much of that. I heard just the end. What's the difference in sales? I can I can speak to it though. Now? I think. What about now? Hey, Rick. Yeah, I can hear you. Something okay. So what I was saying is the leads, opt-ins, and sales. There's sixty-four. The, what about now? So. Can you you can't hear me? Testing one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Sure. Testing one, two, three, four. Can't hear me, huh? Yep. I hear you now. Heard one, two, three, four. Yeah, you start and then it cuts out after a few words. Hmm. I, I can hear you somewhat. So my question is let me um, let me, let me talk about this one then. So we're automatically pulling in the cost from the testing. ad platform and the clicks. And then when someone opts in. Okay. Go ahead. I hear you now. Keep going. Sorry. Yep. Nothing but problems. Okay. So yeah, we differentiate when someone opts in. Are they a new, okay? Is someone a new lead or were they already on your list? So that's the new leads and reopens. Okay. So you have nice clean um, targeting here where you're not. Um, you know, these are these are true cold traffic. That's pretty sweet. Now, how you can have more sales than leads is pretty simple. Repeat buyers or subscription payments or recurring payments or people that clicked and bought without a first without first becoming a new lead. So in general, you guys are doing a real good job of getting people to repeat buy. So his customer LTV is really, really high because of his repeat purchases, basically. Correct. So on in this in this uh I think the problem was with my AirPods. So in this scenario, like he's he's really he's really really focused in his mentality on being profitable on his first order. And his comment is, "Well, I only make one to two percent, you know, net on Facebook." But it's like, and I try to explain it to this client is, look at actually what you're making now that we have these reports on actually your lifetime value model. Because LTV is extremely hard to figure out, and it's it's right here in this dashboard, which makes it really, really great and really easy to be able to show that to people. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, our foundation is lifetime value, is how we do all our attribution, um, because that made the most sense to me and our econ people. You know, if you can break even or make a slight spread up front, it's the second order where you make all the money. Because the CPMs mm -hmm. have gone way up on Facebook and you know everywhere. Really, it's more challenging to get the costs. Up front. So if you can break even up front and make it on the back, 
this guy seems to be doing really good with that looking at his this is one of the better sales to leads i've seen so okay he's doing well on that, or you're doing well for him on that so record this and let him know <laughs> uh let's jump into a couple more questions here because i know we got about 10, 15 minutes so for multi-touch campaigns when it's involving messenger how are you tracking and attributing the messenger piece so our messenger piece works if you have a click from the messenger to your own landing page if they're going to opt into your chat platform we can still track it but it's a little trickier you have to gather the ad id as part of the chat and then you can http post us the ad id along with the email and we'll be able to capture that messenger chat opt-in or if it's a messenger chat and you send them to a landing page you can put utms or the ad id that led to the chat that led to it so it can work but it's a little more elaborate setup unfortunately it, it does work for people but it's um there's because uh, with a facebook and google the setup is usually a lot easier than that but with the messenger okay. chat it's a little bit of work um a couple other good questions so how long does it take after starting up with wicked reports and you can actually start to expect 80% plus accuracy. Because I know that's kind of where that client, for example, is in those stages. Um, you know, every, there's a lot of pre-wicked and there's the post-wicked stuff coming in. So what is your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of it depends on your buying cycle. Because we can't attribute stuff if your leads are just going to take time to buy. And I yep. know, like, our leads take time to buy. They take, like, six weeks to buy. I'd love them to buy today. <laughs> they take six to eight weeks. This is what happens. Yeah. So it takes a full cycle, and then we'll have it. Full cycle from when we, we put tracking, full buying cycle, then you should have your health and up there. So that's it really is dependent. So it's generally a, a month to six weeks to have that attribution health high enough because a week or so to set. I mean, the setup can be fast, but it might be tricky. You might have some advanced stuff like Messenger or podcast or what have you to track. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we generally I like to set the bar low of six weeks, but we can usually get there faster. And what is the good attribution health? Because I think that in that screenshot, it was at 84%. What do you guys shoot for? We like to get above 70% because a lot, uh, and that's going up now that we just released organic tracking this summer. So we were, our, our standard deviation was a little 72% because we weren't tracking organic. So mm -hmm. we haven't had enough cycle to, it, it is higher now that it's organic, but there's always things that don't get tracked, drives us insane, but it's just the way it is. You can't track 100%. And right. that's a fool's errand to try and do that. So we like it above 70, ideally above 80%. Then we're really happy. And um, now with organic, I think that's trending higher, but I don't have the stats on it to, to know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, lead scoring. I know, I believe there's something with lead scoring in Wicked. Do you have a feature or am I mistaken? No. Just looking at. Do we have that? <laughs> no, no, we don't have that. Something else. Okay. So from, from an e-com perspective to a lead gen, can this be used in your opinion in a lead, in a, like a high spend lead gen scenario? Uh, high spend, you mean high budget for lead yeah. gen? Or? Yeah. Yeah. As long as, long as we're going to have revenue dollars down the road and we can take them in a lot of ways, we can have just a CSV that zaps in a sheet of these 20 people bought, mm -hmm. or it could be a HTTP post in some other system, or ideally we're integrated and just receiving them every day because we're not a real time system. We show data from the previous day. So we have to cook it all up. Um, no lead gen e is our, was our original first 50 customers because 
it just word spread that, hey, I don't have to just get last touch. There's way more LTV if you can see middle and top of the funnel, like what's happening with you in that one where we're showing LTV when you capture the email. So if you're capturing them, even if it's an abandoned cart, is how you capture the email because you don't have a CRM, it can work. But lead gen and then trying to close them with other strategies is the best use of our system, in my opinion. So kind of I, I, what what features do you think we haven't covered that would really because a lot of people in these groups, I mean, we have some people in here, you know, that spend six figures a day, you know, really, really high spenders that aren't using something like this. What features didn't we go over or what things are really, really important that people should really, really consider uh, at yeah. that kind of level of spend? You know, that I know one killer one. Can I share on this thing or no? Or um, platform? Who knows? Can you click on I see a button that says share screen? Yeah, you have to download this extension. Let me send you this extension. Um, Actually, it looks like it's. Am I sharing? Yeah, you are. Screen share. Yep. Cool. So one thing we have. This is a real customer's data. This is benchmarking, and we it doesn't. We don't really push it a lot, and we're gonna start because it's kind of. I love it. The idea is here's this guy's this lobster guy. He knows I'm sharing his data. Here's some spend he's done, mm -hmm. and you want to know always how am I doing? How am I doing? Well, obviously you want to make money. And sometimes it takes money to takes time to for leads to buy. So in the interim, how am I doing? So I came up with this idea of benchmarks. And the, the thing that I realized about benchmark data is a campaign, you've got to measure it based on how long it's been tracked. So see here, this campaign is 42 days old. We're yep. comparing against all other campaigns at 42 days. The other piece is what are you trying to do? You pick what you're trying to do, in this case, branding, which be first click. And in that case, we show if you're doing better or worse than your average, and here's what your average is based on that time span, based on what you're trying to do. This is a killer feature because lead costs have gone up. Let's look at this guy's, uh, you know, let's just look at his summary here. I, I should have let you screen share in the whole time. I didn't know you could screen share. <laughs> <laughs> so in his leads, right, for lead gen here, his leads are 73% lower than his average, and mm. his cost per lead is a lot higher. That generally, from a CPL standpoint, what everyone does, I better stop, I'm not getting enough leads, and they cost too much. This is going to become a big game changer for people that realize this isn't where it's at anymore because lead costs do go up. I mean, I, I'm human. I want the same thing. I want a ton of cheap leads that buy. Everyone wants them. No shit. <laughs> Here's yeah. the sales, though. 271% higher sales. His average is 2,800 bucks after 42 days. Now, this guy has made a couple million on Facebook, spending about a half a million. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but his 42, normally he gets a ton of LTV over three months. Well, his average, he has a lot of campaigns that test out and do bad. You know, that's everyone, 80-20 rule, right? 274% higher revenue, 229% higher sales. So potentially still, I would say, still keep running this but now his ROI, you know, his ROI is starting to flatten out. That's when you stop spending because he's making ROI. Now it's starting to, it's kind of his cost and his revenue trended the same way. Now yeah. they're petering out, leveling out. That's when you're really using expert LTV and attribution to its power. And this is something we admittedly, it's killer stuff, but it's more advanced, but you have a more advanced audience. So I get to talk about it once in a while. Sure. And what are the dotted lines in that scenario? So this one's like the day you're at. So this is 30 days, it's 42 days, and then this is like cost. So you can like hide oh. the sale, you can you know hide stuff. And this is the average cost. Got it. 
versus the cost. So if I take away the sales and the costs and the and the average cost, here's your revenue, here's your average revenue. Well, I'm making more money. Sweet. Well, it depends. How are you spending versus what you're spending? This is some uh, this is fun. So now your cost started to go up, probably because he was excited and started scaling his spend, and then the revenue didn't match the you know kind of went with it. As long mm -hmm. as that spread stays, you can keep spending. And as soon as that starts to cross, right. it's like day trading, then it's time to stop doing it. Right. So you know, my background is I was a day trader and finance degree back when you used to have to call and make trades on the phone. So this was like the type of stuff I used to do for stocks. It's fun. Wow. Okay. And what else do you got to show us in here? Uh, another one that's pretty cool is this is within um, – this is an old campaign, right? And this is just – I was doing a video for something else. But let me see if I got the other windows up here. Uh, okay, so here is a campaign. I, I was doing screenshots of some of the thing because it was such an old one. It was really cool to see. He ran the campaign September 14th, October 8th. Uh-huh. Made 44%. Well, that's not great. He's selling lobsters. They're expensive, so he probably lost money after product costs. But his pure return on ad spend, 44%. So he stopped spending. However, if you look at the end of the year, this is a, a, a detailed view of the campaign here. He made 26 grand. He made 370% just to show the power of lifetime value. The leads bought once it came into Black Friday and Christmas. So right. you should be paying like out the wazoo, even if you're not tracking Wicker reports, pay out the wazoo for leads now because that's they're going to get brand familiarity. Then they're going to close down the road. And then when you, you want to see, well, what the hell closed on, you can click on the ad and actually see the ad. So let's see what this ad is. And then you could go in and see like what the landing page is. You can click on the video. This is kind of funny. This is my uh, this is my wife right there. He's a friend of mine. There she is. That was our kitchen back in Chicago. That's why I remember this ad. It was like one of the first ones we did ever. <laughs> and so then you can break down from a campaign. Well, where did I make my money within that campaign to scale it? Well, 2,000% on your abandoned carts. Everyone knows to do that if they're smart. But 600% yeah. of your lookalikes. And what did crappy? Well, cannot email, never order. This is one of those like hacks that, that might work. I'm saying to test it, but he uploaded his unsubscribes and thought, oh man, I'm gonna get him to rebuy on Facebook because some you know guru said it. It's a cool idea, but you gotta test it. And he tested it out, and turns out it didn't do as hot because here's a campaign that's killing it, and what's dragging it down a little is only the 28% from your unsubscribes that you target. Did he make that back on LTV then? He might. He didn't in this case. Yeah, he just barely got profitable. Okay. And then if you go out into the future, I was going to show my cohort report here. Where is it? Here's my other one. So in the future here, if we look out, he made six grand when he started during the time frame. He ran mm -hmm. the account. Forty grand in future LTV. Wow. And so that future LTV, granted, now has been three years. You can't run a campaign on three years, but you can see here when it starts to compound per target. You know, okay, this one didn't really get too exciting, but here, you know, 14 day, 21 day, and then th between day 30 and 60, he almost doubled his money here. What did he do? That's when it's like, okay, what did I do on day 45? And in this case, it probably was just Black Friday, you know, mm -hmm. and Christmas. But you can look at other things and go see, okay, what are these leads? And go look at them and say, what did I market? Because all of a sudden I started making my money here on day 60. Now we aggregate those all into the ROI report, but it's just cool to see. Right. Okay. I guess the other uh, interesting thing, which I don't know if he has anything here. This I say this has been open forever. I don't know if this data is still valid. Let me reapply that that the search here. 
you can do customer journey and see where you made the money. So in this case, this isn't a very exciting one. This particular campaign, it's doing crappy all over the place. But let me find that set video one. Let me go back and do since first tracking. And I'll go into FB set video. And let's just look at, you know, all the different data. You'll see something pretty striking here related to lead gen. So now he's made 83 grand on that. That same campaign that he stopped after three weeks. What he should have done is kept spending at break even because of his killer LTV. But people are human and they don't like to do it. And this guy is a friend of mine. I'll text him and be like, freaking spend. And, you know, he's got other competing things. He's an SMB, whatever. But from the customer journey, we can see where did he make the money. And while it doesn't take a genius to see negative 51% at the bottom, crushing it at the top. Mm -hmm. You should just take that same video, point it to a new, I'm to tell him this. It's like the same time period. <laughs> I'm going to tell him it. I should like to. I gotta remember. I gotta remind us to talk to Mark about this. He should just run the same damn ad to a new landing page and yeah. only exclude his customer list, exclude his email list, and it prints money at this time period. Just do it again. I mean, it doesn't and sometimes the data is that simple? I mean, it's not always the case. I just this. I mean, we were in the video. It was like you know, Wicked was like five months new. So I was showing them how to use the cohort report. A couple people on my team, I had this up, so I thought I'd keep it up just in case we had time to show right. it. So I know some people will say, well, I have Google Analytics, you know, why can't I just use Google Analytics? But obviously I know the answer to this, but, and there's basically no way in the world that he would be able to see this without this platform. Correct. We have a Google, uh, our, we just went live with three webinars, the Google uh, co-sponsor, they're sponsoring our first event as the sole sponsor. So obviously they don't, they see us as helping assist what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we have three webinars behind it where they recommend us, which is killer. That's just coming out on our marketing funnel. So we're looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. But it, that's not Google Analytics is a lot of user behavior on the site. It's incredible for that. How are my users behaving on the site? What's making them bounce? Where are they spending time on the pages? What other pages are they clicking around through? That's not called marketing attribution. That's called user behavior analytics. And it's the best in its breed for that, I think. But they don't do the same things at all. They have a complementary conversion goal thing. It's not marketing attribution. So, and the biggest thing I'm understanding of what the tools do in my opinion. And the biggest thing I've noticed is like, if you, in a lot of the scenarios that like I showed in the screenshots, analytics looks at last click. So it's going to always associate the revenue to whatever the last touch point was. Yes. And then the way that they choose to do attribution waters it down too much. Cause they look at every touch point, which is amazing. But they look at all 80, you know, they have an example on Think with Google, a guy with headphones took 300 touch points to buy and their minimum is 40. But you can't act on 300 touch points. You can't. I mean, I love the data. I can act on 300 touch points and I'm like, do this for a living. Yeah. Um, you need to have something that's actionable and works. So again, it's not that, hey, if you have a Facebook conversion that's, um, you know, a micro conversion, three steps before sale, that may well be working like gangbusters for you and you still should do it. I'm not here to argue you should and shouldn't. I don't know your marketing funnel, how you people behave. I just know when you're looking to spend your budget portfolio, we want to put our ad on first party data conversions because they're real. We can prove them and they do work right. when you're aligning them to the specific strategies they're built for. Hmm. Okay. There's some other things, you know, you can click on things and say, this is one of my best emails. Well, because it made this much money in this time frame, and 
Right. Ad targeting to make money. Well, you know, I don't know. So this one, seafood foodies has made me five grand, but they take 168 days to buy. So that's really maybe not an amazing thing, but it really, it really did make them a lot of ROI over time. Where are you losing money? This is a cool one. Missed opportunity. So he doesn't have a lot of big ones here, but leads take time to buy. Everyone knows that. And people turn off ad campaigns because you can't just spend on a negative forever. And you might get sick of seeing the ROI like negative 30% and you don't want to spend anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, every 30, every, whenever you come into our homepage, we're looking at where are leads buying that you're not currently have campaigns turned on because it should happen. It's not like you're going to perfectly have every campaign always running. And then, so these are the top, um, looking at it from new leads only, these campaigns are still making him money and he's not spending. So he may want to turn them back on or he may want to use them as inspiration for a new ad or it may be an inconsequential amount like this case and you don't want to do anything. Interesting. Where'd you find your best customers? I mean, everyone wants to know that. Facebook six for six, by far, by far his greatest one. Huh. Uh, what's another one here? Print ads, Wall Street Journal. Made him 91 grand. He had a print ad to a vanity URL. We tracked it just like paid. It's a 10 grand Valentine's Day ad, Lobster for Lovers. And uh, it made, you know, like he got like 30 grand. He made three to one when he ran it. So he's like giddy. And then uh -huh. he made another 60 grand over time. When he tried to re recreate it, he was like, oh my God, every holiday, Wall Street Journal. And it only works like for Valentine's time. And I don't know what it is. You have to talk to the bankers to read it, but that's hmm. why you got to test. It's not like a, uh, that works on that one time. So how does how does um before you get to sales velocity, how does data driven attribution with Google AdWords differ? Obviously, I know what linear attribution is. It equally splits it. So how does data driven differ? And do you guys have a model like that? Because I know AdWords really pushes data driven once you get enough history to move to data driven. We don't have a data-driven model. We have individual models. I mean, I mean, all of them technically have data behind them to drive them. Right. But what they're doing, um, which is kind of cool, is they're taking each, like, what they're deciding are the key touch points from analyze what the most people have in common, like let's say touch point two and five, more customers have those two in common. Then they're going to automatically bid on more of those because those are the touch points most in common, which mm -hmm. is kind of cool. Now, they hide it all, so you don't know for sure, but you know, Google, Google knows what they're doing. So in that case, that's a pretty slick model, but it's data driven from like, you know, they have like 7 billion signals, what you're watching on TV, you know, YouTube TV, what your emails say, you know, what you're doing on your Android. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they're, that's just saying, Hey, trust us with the black box, which sometimes can work well. You know, sometimes you'd be like, I don't even need to look at data. That's going to work. I mean, that doesn't always work, but if it does, fantastic. <laughs> but that data is saying that they're using signals that you're not even, they're just going to constantly tweak that model to try and make everyone's okay. lives better. Okay. In some cases it can. Um, in some cases it doesn't. Sales velocity. So sales velocity. So like his average sales velocity is 180 days. Now he doesn't like that news. He wants That's it to be five days. And of course now 180 days is average, but he has, I mean, it's not that he doesn't close people at all. This is in this one particular date range I'm looking at. 8% of contacts have made a purchase. That's not bad. Eight, 10% close of all your lead gen. How are they getting 180 days there when all of the revenue from one to 90 days is way more than a, more than a hundred? Like how are they, how do you get 180 80 days there? Because I don't see that. Yeah. Let me... Are you saying like, 
Are you saying within 180 days or are you saying after 180 days? Yeah, I think this is a time period of 180 days. When I look at the spike here, it's 31 to 60 days is the average. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. I think that's the time period. Okay. Yeah, so the highest the highest bar is what I look at anyway. So I'm glad you pointed that out. I was like blind to it. I've looked at this so many times. Look at the bar. So for me, 31 to 60 days. And again, like I said, 44 days being the average. Well, he has a lot of... Uh, you know, they take more than a month to buy and it drives them bananas, but that's just right. the facts. Um, yep. And he tried many, many things, you know, deadline funnels and lobsters, just what it is, man. They got to get comfortable with his brand. You know, they're going to spend a, every, his stuff runs a couple hundred bucks. That's just how it works. I mean, some people can get a couple hundred dollar clothes right away. It's that's what happens with lobster. Is he doing uh, a subscription program? He does not. He should. Really? Wow. Yeah, he doesn't. Hmm. And so. In that case, based on that data, a subscription program, if like his average is 44 days, if he wants to try and get his reordering, like every 30 days, if they order within 30 days, they could have like a 5% discount or something on a, yep. on a subscription. Here's one other thing that's pretty cool. So let's go back to that Google thing I was talking about. So we're uploading all of his conversions to Google. So we're uploading the GCLED ID with, uh, you know, first party data with a conversion value. And then that's, that data is visible in Google. I have to bring up my MCC account. You see all, you know, we don't run ads for people, but we have the MCC account connection after the agency just mm -hmm. as a way so we can go in and trouble, you know, if you want us to troubleshoot or to upload sales for people. Oh, so, I do. Okay. So this is um, revenue that he uploads from via Google. We attribute it. And then up, upload it, and then they're able to. He's able to see the conversions that get sent, and then Google uses this for their machine learning to optimize for them. So I'm pulling out my Google because I didn't even know that was a thing in here. So where does somebody go to see that in Google? Well, we just released this, so you got to activate it. It just word of mouth spread through our customers. We had like 40 people using it before it was even officially released. Uh, so it's something that you uh, that we just you know just announcing, but it, it's been stealth available for people. So you go optimizer. We got to turn it on for you. I see the conversions in optimizer, but where do you see those in Google AdWords? Oh, okay. So let me stop sharing for one sec while I get to his account. Am I sharing? Uh, you. me, no, you're not. You're not. Okay. Let me pop over there because it's pretty cool. You go under segment and then uh -huh. choose. Um, it's under the, if you go to the campaign view and then I'll, I'll get in there and show you how it looks here in a second. But I'm, so, in like this scenario, if we're using data driven on the account we've been looking at for my stuff, or even for this guy, mm -hmm. let me go campaigns and I segment what it's going to show different revenue to different campaigns. Yeah. So you can see the, the, hold on, let me, I'm having trouble doing two things at once. Sorry. <laughs> so you can go in there and um, choose segment. Yep. Okay. I can share now again too. So you can follow me how I'm doing it. Where's my share screen button? Import clicks, right? Yes, yeah, so you don't have to import the. Hold on. Okay, I get my share back. So you can go in here under when you're in here. I haven't done it. Under you do segment conversions, and then I think it's conversion action. I you know I have it by default on. I believe it's conversion action, and then these are it'll show you all your conversions. In this case, he just these are the ones we're uploading. Hmm. And so you can see the first, so you can go verify them in our system if you want, or you can see these are his re-opt-ins and his first opt-ins, his new leads from this. 
And then there, these are the sales that actually happen with the real dollar values. Can you go up to tools and settings once? Sure. And go to conversions? Yep. Did you set them up in there? So they automatically get created and then you can choose to use this. Like he had some other ones, which he's not oh, using well. now. You mm -hmm. can still use those. We, he's okay. doing yes, include conversions. And then if people buy so this is like a within Google, if people are new leads from Google, they buy within 90 days, we can upload the G clip from the sale down downstream back against the top of the funnel lead. So that's why we got to build this with Google. We, the first, we had this idea with them. We're the first ones to do it where you have top of the funnel real dollar values so that the uh, machine learning can learn if you have a multi-step funnel which a lot of people do what top of the funnel things are bringing the money in so, so data driven is in theory going to also help with that but in this case you, you know you don't leave it to chance you know for sure that they know go to like last 30 days i have a huge discrepancy in mine um i just want to see if yours I'll have to screenshot mine because I can't show the name. Yeah. Mine is we can look because it's doing a um, a Google only first party data conversion only because that's what we can do with Google with our privacy stuff. It had to be first party data only, Google channel only so conversions uploaded. Okay, hold on. So it's a little bit different than what when you run AdWords under our multi-channel. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different of a model that isn't available yet for you to view, even though we have all the data, obviously we're sending it up. Okay. But uh, it's slightly different. It shouldn't be massively different than what your Google says, but you can send it over, we can look. But mine, I just pulled it up, it should be, I think you have to stop sharing though. All right. Um, so uh, mine, a thousand. I'm trying to click on it. This says uh, a thousand right here. And then like first opt-in is 149 lead attribute i need you to maximize that window uh, there's no way i can see it it's like a, a vision test that i'm failing make it help no it's like i mean i can't even tell you how small it is when you were sharing before it took the whole screen in this case it's yeah. our heads are in here too so i can't really no one's uh, able to see what's uh, let me hold on i'll shut off our cameras I'm still learning this whole thing, so. No problem, it's going fine. Shut off mine too, or push. Does that help? Yeah. So why is such a vast difference? Why is what a vast difference from what? Like look at the number of conversions from purchases to the other ones. See how it goes from a thousand sales? Yep, okay, well, a couple things. When did you, uh, has this been active the same amount of time? Uh, that's the last 30 days only. When did you turn on the Google conversion optimizer? I think when we onboarded, because remember I changed the template with the, the G clip. That's all you need to do, right? Or do you actually have to turn it on? You actually have to turn it on as well. Oh, I didn't turn it on. So you guys must have done it. Okay. Yeah. You guys, you, you, I think you messaged in to turn it on. So I don't know what time frame. pick it. Just pick the last week. Let's see. It should be a lot closer. But again, it's not going to match a pixel conversion because they never do. Right. Be close. Okay. We're looking at Google clicks. Yeah, it's, it's a lot closer. There's about, you know, like from purchases to first lead opt-in because that's a screenshot, so I can't show you. But it's about 17 grand versus like five grand. So a little bit of a difference, but it's a lot. If closer. you add up the three purchase sale conversion values, they yep. should equal close to the purchase sale pixel. Uh, yeah, it's a little, 
If they do, it's great. If they don't, we got a problem to talk about to try to fix. Yeah, it's a little above, actually, about five grand above. Okay. But I'll have to, yeah, I didn't know about this, so this is kind of interesting. Too. Yeah, and then you can you can see what we've sent. So if you know, happen to know, hey, this is a for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons. Some people say, oh, this product's only being sold on Google, or I only use this landing page, so I know these ten people bought. I think sometimes it ends up that the tracking is still accurate, and sometimes you know we'll we'll look at it. But the sure. fact we're not that many sounds like it's accurate. So we'll see. Okay. We'll look at it. Oh, I know we're going over. I I have time, but. I know you're probably more on a time crunch. Is there anything else that the platform does that's just mind blowing that we should let everybody know about? Uh, live events is a really cool one. What's that? You can run at if you're running Facebook ads to a live event. Okay. You can then show the ROI even if you're capturing you're running ads and they're opting in to go like attend a I don't know hotel seminar or whatever, okay. and then you down the road they buy we can track that just even though that was an offline event if you had online um ad spend we can show the roi or if it's a true offline event like a mary k part like we tracked a wine event at our house for a guy who's using wicked reports i became friends with and it ended up being that my friends are all winos because he made like 10 grand from an event at my house of a wine tasting mm -hmm. upload the leads that people scribbled on a piece of paper he uploaded them up and then when they bought down the road from his wine, I don't know, however he fulfills his wine shipments, he uploaded those sales. We were able to tie them together as a live event ROI, which is pretty substantial. He made a lot of money. And one big thing I know like on the setup, because when we did our setup, it's very, very easy. Clavio just automatically integrates. Shopify just automatically in integrates. Facebook, you set up UTM parameters. And then it also connects via offline events and passes back offline event data. Um, AdWords, you just change out your AdWords template. Uh, so most of the stuff, if it's a serious platform, has an auto integration. The only thing that I think we were not able to track, which I still need to look into, is the actual Clavio pop-up. But other than that, for me, everything was really, really easy, whether it was just an auto integration or via like UTM parameter. Yeah, with the Clavio, yeah, and there's just occasionally hacks that we can do if we can't put tracking inside of an iframe. You can pass the info to the thank you page and we can deduce what's going on often, not always, but often. Okay. Uh, so that might work in that case. Yep. You customize the thank you page. Uh, yeah. Uh, the If you're using other ad platforms like Snapchat or Bing, it still works. You got to put UTMs on your links and then you got to put UTM, the UTM cost input. You can drag it as a CSV or clone what you typed before for a new day. So there's ways to do it. It's just a little bit manual, but. Got try it. to make as little manual as possible. Okay. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. This is fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and if anyone is a member of Facebook Ad Buyers, don't get it, but we do have a deal set up with Wicked for um, AdLeaks Gold and AdLeaks Platinum members for a discount. So you guys can check the deal section on that. So, mm -hmm. um, and I know uh, Leilani's been trying to get in, in touch with you about some stuff too. So I don't know if you saw something from her. I did not. Okay, I'll so. tell her to reach out to you again. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. It was really, really fun. I learned actually a lot. So I really appreciate your time. Sweet. Thanks for having me, Justin. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Yeah.